Blog Talk Radio. I'm Robert Rogers, and of course, this is Parkinson's Recovery. I thought about a number of different ways to title the program today, and one of my ideas was the title could be, Why Does Falling Out of a Tree When I Was Five Years Old Have Anything to Do With My Symptoms of Parkinson's Today? I'm 55. Well, as it turns out, trauma, whether its roots came from the moment you were born or it came when you were five years old and fell out of a tree or came when perhaps a parent left for one reason or another when you were very small or when you were older and had significant traumas as well, it does have a profound and a sustained impact on aggravating the neurological complications that we see in the diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. Trauma, in my view, is really a key factor. Of the many people that I interview day in and day out, I confirm this suspicion, this hypothesis now that I've had for several years. People tell me when they're stressed, their symptoms flare. Stress is a subset of trauma, which is at the origin of what really happens in the body. My guest today gives an eloquent, I must say, explanation of why, in fact, trauma that might have occurred when we were small or when we were young or even trauma that occurred 10 years ago that we thought we got over from is actually something that can create havoc in our lives today if it is not addressed, released, and healed. David Howell is a person who has one particular therapy that he is going to talk about that helps you get release from trauma. My pre-recorded interview with David Howell is presented basically in three parts or three sections. In the first, we really focus on what trauma is all about and what it does to the fascia in the physical body. In the second segment of the program, we really focus very specifically on what can you do about it. Okay, so if it happens, so if it tangled up all the fascia, so that if it screwed up my neurological system, what in the world can I do to be able to correct that? And in the third particular segment of the program, we actually focus on the current health care system today so that everyone has a clear understanding of if you happen to wind up in a hospital uh, hospital setting because of perhaps a fall or some other kind of an accident, what really does it mean if you're assigned to a skilled care nursing facility? So let's now go. This is Robert Rogers. This is Parkinson's Recovery, the place where we provide information and support to individuals who have the symptoms of Parkinson's. Let me now go to my first segment where David Howe uh, gives you incredible insight about the real impact that trauma has on our lives. This is Robert Rogers from Parkinson's Recovery. I am in the clinic offices of David Howell, who is the coordinator of rehabilitation services at the Puget Sound Healthcare Center in the wonderful city of Olympia, Washington, as well as a myofacial therapist. David, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you, Robert, very much. So if you would please, uh, myofascial therapy is a mouthful, and my suspicion is that 98% of the people listening to the program today 
don't have a clue what I am talking about. Could you explain to people what myofascial therapy is all about? <laughs> all right. Let's see if I can break this down. Now, what I do is myofascial release. I am a occupational therapist, and you will find that physical therapists, occupational therapists, and massage therapists will practice myofascial release. So anybody who is licensed to touch a person with their hands can practice myofascial release because you will sometimes find dentists or physicians that will actually practice this also during as part of their practice. But what myofascial is, is if you look at the body that what is holding our bodies together? It's fascia. Fascia is what connects every single little cell together in our body to form each organ, to form each system, to form our bodies as a whole. So fascia is a combination of, we could break it down to kind of a several little pieces to keep it simple, is um, there's the collagen and the elastin and then the the fluid or the ground substance around that and in that. So the collagen is what gives um, rigidity and the elastin is what gives the stretch. And then your ground substance is what provides the nutrition to the to this to the parts or to the, the fascia. And so if you could think of a big fishing net or even better, maybe think of a very nicely fine-knit sweater. And if you have that sweater hanging up on a clothes hanger and you find one thread that's hanging loose and you pull that thread and you start keep on pulling it, you can see the effects of that thread being pulled through the whole sweater. It starts to bunch up maybe a little bit first, right, really close to where you're pulling the thread. And then you can eventually, if you start at the very bottom corner of the sweater, you can even see the effects of that sweater starting to bunch up all the way over to the opposite shoulder. So with fascia, because it connects to everything, there's no beginning, there's no end. It's a spider web of like this, like this sweater. And so if you get an injury or a trauma to an area, it will it may, has a potential of pulling on that fascia, pulling on that string, and having this domino effect of going throughout infecting other parts of your body. So let's say if a person in the winter is walking along a sidewalk and slips and falls and lands on their bottom. And um, so you end up with this trauma, really hard trauma sometimes of, you know, bruising or breaking your tailbone. So you think that originally that's all the injury is, is right around the tailbone. You wait for that to heal up. As, but as you heal up, you can end up with this fascial restriction around that area that can pull on other parts of your body. So that fascia is pulling, and it pulls up onto your diaphragm, let's say your breathing diaphragm, and starts to pull your ribs out of a little bit of alignment. And then as your ribs go out of alignment, your back comes out of alignment, and it throws your shoulders. You start to notice that one shoulder is higher than the other. And then all of a sudden you start getting carpal tunnel syndrome, where your fingers are starting to turn numb or some of them like that. And ultimately, you may go in and end up having to have some surgery on your wrist to release that carpal tunnel, and it's, you're better for a few years, and then you, people frequently find that then they're going back in and getting that surgery done again. And so we're, we know what the symptoms are for carpal tunnel, but we really don't know what causes it ultimately. We say that maybe it's repeti repetition of typing too much or writing too much or holding too tightly onto a tool for prolonged periods of time. But ultimately, if you go back and you go back and 
start working on the body through the myofascial approach that I use, you will work your way back and find that, wow, there's a restriction down in the pelvic region. And then you go down and you release that restriction, and you find that you have great relief of those carpal tunnel sy symptoms. Well, this happens for practically any disease that's out there. And a lot of um, modern medicine is saying there's really no such thing as disease. You know, it's the, we break the word down to dis and ease. It's it's ultimately a breakdown of other other systems sometimes. Of, it could be related back to the fascia. It may not be. But for a large portion of people, that if you look at the fascia and or you look at their body and you follow the fascia, you can frequently relieve a lot of symptoms of a lot of different diseases. Treatment, much, much of treatment nowadays is based on treating the symptoms and not treating the cause. And so ultimately when you start treating the fascia, you're getting more down to the, you can frequently get down to that cause and to be able to relieve a lot of symptoms and disprove that really it wasn't a disease, it was a fascial restriction in one part of the body or another part of the body. And the goal is, is to try to try, try to treat a person as soon as possible after an injury to be able to prevent these restrictions from building up because, uh, you know, as we go through life, there's one trauma after another trauma after another trauma, and they start to build up on each other. So it's not like you can just go to one area and relieve all all symptoms. Some, you know, it's a whole body system, and it's not that just that myofascial release will cure or resolve all symptoms. It, it's... It, Myofascial release works with a lot of other other um, approaches. It works very well with um, acupuncture and chiropractic and physical therapy and um, I could go on and on, Reiki and all kinds of subtle energy work. So um, how's that for a, a, a base? That is awesome. People might be interested in knowing more about specifically what fascia looks like in the body. Uh, is it the case that animals have fascia as do humans? And if I were, for example, uh, cutting up chicken because I'm barbecuing chicken and I happen to be a meat eater, would I actually see the fascia as I'm cutting up the chicken? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked that. Um, that um, yeah, so whenever we've, we've ever done any cooking with meat, you do frequently see the fascia. It's that sometimes with um, different cuts of meat, you'll see kind of that shimmery layer of um, tissue that sits on top of the um, the meat. And um, sometimes it can be a bit gristly. Sometimes it can be very smooth and easy, easily to cut through. It can be frequently that um, little bit of a wrap around a muscle that kind of separates one muscle from another muscle. So fascia can be very visible, but it also goes down to the the microscopic level where you're going to need magnification to be able to look, really truly look at it. So um, you can frequently think of is if you get a piece of meat, you get a, a steak for instance, and you have you're cutting a steak and you can cut through some of that those little fascial connections very easily, but then you get to a part that's really tough, kind of gristly or whatever you want to call that. That animal probably had some kind of a, fa a trauma to that area or another area that that is actually a fascial restriction. Um, but fascia is very much a three-dimensional structure, and it's a very fluid structure, and it's it's been um, shown under magnification of how it moves and glides. It's it's unlike anything else I've ever seen for. Um, 
for any kind of um, interaction of different fibers with each other. It's not like one fiber, there just isn't one fiber, and it's there's overlap, and they're not individual, and I could never do a good enough job of explaining this. And um, uh, the um, chaos theory and um, some of those other theories out there that are very, you know, based in physics um, do if you're if you're a physicist you could really understand it but I would recommend um looking up a video called Strolling Under the Skin and right now I'm not recalling the the author of it but it was made by a uh, a hand therapist or a hand surgeon and um he did a very good job of going through and doing some magnification of that and showing how the fascia works with within itself if i have a discomfort in my right ankle and I'm having a little difficulty walking. Are you saying that 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 particular discomfort also has a connection to, let's say, my left earlobe or my right shoulder or the front part of my neck because of the fascia itself? Yeah, very well could. Um, there's no saying. I mean, maybe the original restriction is in your ankle and it has pulled your knee out of alignment then kind of affects your hip alignment a little bit and then works its way up your back and then it's pulling on the side of your jaw and you're getting some ear pain or maybe that fascial restriction you were in a um a minor car accident and you slit, your chest hit the steering wheel so maybe that restriction is in your chest but you're feeling it in your ankle um and you're also feeling your ear because that restriction can go in all directions possible so um, it's very, very frequent that when I work on a person, and what I frequently do is I will look at a person's alignment of how, when they're in standing, when they're in sitting, and when they're lying, and look at the alignment of their shoulders and their hips and their back and how much weight they put on each leg and which direction their toes are pointing off to and getting down to even looking at which direction does the nose point. Because if, if you notice on most people that our noses don't point directly down the middle or straight forward. So, um as I look at that, then it kind of gives me an idea of where what's happening in the body, and I can start treating. And then it's the body's amazing thing. If you can really pay attention, it will tell you what, where to go next. So as I'm working on a person, I'll see, maybe I'll start working on their chest and doing some stretches and work on their chest, and all of a sudden they start to get a pain in their left knee, or maybe all of a sudden their skin turns bright red over on their um, left elbow. Either one of those things is telling me that there's a restriction that goes from their chest to that other spot, that spot of pain or that spot of redness, or sometimes you'll feel numbness or you'll feel a tingling, any kind of a sensation that tells me that that is a potential area for me to go to next to work on. And I'll go to that spot and I'll work on it, and then something else will pop up and we'll go to that next spot. I think we've all had those times where we've had massages and somebody start rubbing your shoulders and then you say, wow, that's really, I can really feel it in my low back now. And so then they work on your low back and it's kind of chasing that around. That's that fascia that you're looking at. You're, you're, you're following that restriction and if, if you stick with it and you're really paying attention, you'll get back. You can get down to that source and help resolve that. So if you are looking at me right now, as you could if you wanted, <laughs> you would notice that my shoulders are not even. I'm sure you'd notice that my nose is not straight. Are you saying then that these twists in my body could have origins as far back as when I was six months old or two years old or uh, six years old, that it's some trauma that I experienced earlier in life is actually evidenced in how I carry my body today? 
Very much so. I mean, it, it, we have so much trauma throughout our life, and a trauma can be a physical trauma, like I mentioned, or it could even be an emotional trauma, you know, if we go through any kind of abuse or just even fearful events, very, very fearful events, you know, stress is a very good one. You know, stress, you end up, a lot of people end up bunching up their shoulders or tightening up in their solar plexus, and you can get, if you maintain that, you can end up in a, with a restriction there also. But yeah, these traumas go back to birth. I mean, birth can be a very traumatic event for the infant and for the mother. So um, you could have both the infant, the, the newborn and the mother coming out with fascial trauma from that that can be treated. And it's wonderful. There are, there are many therapists that will actually treat mothers and the infants right after, right after birth. And it's a fabulous experience. And I highly, highly recommend that for anybody that can do that. Um, to really take advantage of that opportunity because it can really get a, get a person off to a good start and can relieve a lot of the things that parents experience with their newborns of the colic and sleeping problems and that. It, it works wonderful. Um, and, yeah, I would highly recommend that. So, yeah, that trauma can come from any time in your life. And so when I look at treating people, sometimes you have to look at it like you're looking at a forest. You, you're not going to be able to knock down all the trees where every one of each one of those trees represents an injury or a trauma, you're not going to be able to knock down all those trees, but you can slowly start to work your way at that to to really start to relieve some of that. And just because you treat it once doesn't mean it's going to be gone forever. Because some of the, sometimes people have these traumas, like you said, for, since you were six six months old, and it's had enough effect on your body that it's going to take a while to to treat this, and it's going to maybe take more than just myofascial release to treat this, but it's it's definitely a whole person, a whole systems type of approach where we're looking at addressing not just the body, but there's also frequently an emotional component related to it. Almost very rarely that there's really not an emotional component that, that arises from this. I think we've all have heard or seen or experienced ourselves of going through a massage and feeling a bit emotional. Get, all of a sudden you get kind of teary-eyed or cry and... Um, not knowing what that is, and that that is emotions that were tied up in that fascia. So um, anybody could be treating fascia if you're giving somebody a body, you know, massage or anything like that. But to really get down and do that fascial work, it requires the the specialized training, and um, it's available to anybody who again does any kind of body work or has this license to be able to touch somebody. For people then who have significant mobility challenges and are having difficulty with walking and feeling a lot of restrictions in their body, what you're saying then is it's pretty certain they are, there must be fascial restrictions that are evident throughout their body. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And um, the extent of it really depends from person to person because, you know, we all know we're all each individuals and we're all very unique. And then you add on just the uniqueness of our own bodies, each person's body, but then you add in the uniqueness of each person's um, life experience. All the different little traumas that we each experience is very different from the next person. And how we react to each one of those ex those traumatic events in our life is very different from each person. So the the makeup of how your body looks and moves and feels and the the dis-ease that your body has really varies from person to person because of all those different um, events that make up that, make up that person.
We'll be right back with David Howell after this short station break. This is Parkinson's Recovery, and I'm Robert Rogers. Earlier this year, this is 2010, I released my new book, Road to Recovery from Parkinson's Disease. I want everybody to know that I have actually just completed an update of this book. I realize it's only a few months later, but in this particular update, I've included the new information that I've learned just uh, since uh, 2010 began on January 1st. You'll find there's new information about uh, Parkinson's eye challenges and problems and the various kinds of therapies that are making a difference to people. I've also got a new section about uh, uh, vibroacoustic therapy as well as sound therapy, new information about neural reprogramming. I've included lots of updates on all the interviews that I've done on my radio programs for the last uh, three months and basically done a thorough update of all the information, the links, uh, the resources that you find in the book. So the book's actually longer uh, than it was just three months ago. A uh, choice I had was I thought, well, I can do uh, Volume 2 or Volume 3, or I can have different titles. I believe that what people really need is a book that's up-to-date. So when you buy the book, what you know is that you've got the current scoop. You've got what what people know today. So what I've done is I've freshened up that book, and what you'll find is if you decide you want to order either a desktop copy, some one that you can actually read at your computer, or the print copy, you can get the full scoop to full information by visiting the following website, www.thetwowordsjointogetherparkinsonsdisease.me. So the word Parkinson's without an apostrophe, the word disease, and both of those words joined together, dot M-E. Now back to the second part of my interview with David Howell, my old facial therapist. You've given us an eloquent explanation, David, of the restrictions that are present when people have trauma in the fascia. People, I'm sure, are now really interested in knowing a great deal more about what you can do about it. How can you remove these restrictions? So you've mentioned myofascial release, and that's a specialty that you uh, help people with. Can you tell people more about what's involved when they get this kind of therapy? Well, I would say it's usually a very pleasant experience. Um, I usually have a person come to my clinic and, of course, get a good medical history and make sure I find out anything that's going on with a person for if there's anything that I shouldn't be doing for a person, you know, that's if they had a back surgery or, a surgery or any kind of other surgery recently, anything I have to be aware of, and find out frequently what kind of medications. And um, then what I frequently will have is I need to go through and I like to start out with a postural assessment like I mentioned earlier, seeing how a person stands and where the different parts of the body lie. So I usually like to have a person with, you know, down, um, mostly, um, mostly undressed to underwear and a bra or a bikini or a swimsuit along those lines so I can see what their alignment is. And that's a real brief um, assessment and going through and then I will go through and basically kind of do what we call palpate the bony structures. Find out where um, feeling their spine and feeling their hips and make sure, see how things are lining up. And once I get that, then I like to have a person frequently lay down on a table and we'll cover them up with a blanket 
and um, that's very much like if a person's ever been into a massage. You're you're relatively um, unclosed, and then it's a very gentle experience most of the time. Um, a lot of the work that I do is um, I will place my hands on various different parts of your body and give a g very gentle stretch or a, or a rubbing um, along the lines of a massage. Um, people will sometimes feel like there's not a whole lot going on during the session, but then we'll notice later on either after the session or even the next day of noticing significant changes in the way their body moves or the way their body feels or just the way they feel emotionally. Um, just to kind of take a small step backwards is to explain that myofascial release has been around for a very long time and um, there's different ways that people approach myofascial release and some of the more traditional myofascial release that's done in um, physical therapy and occupational therapy and massage therapy can be a very painful process, kind of what, sometimes along the lines of what if people have experienced with rolfing. Rolfing doesn't necessarily have to be um, painful either, but it's kind of the one that people have knowledge of, of, of another type of therapy technique. So it can't, myofascial release can be a very deep, deep tissue work, and sometimes that's necessary that I, when I work on a person that we have to go down really deep into the tissues and cause a bit of discomfort, but the amount of that is usually much, much less than the rest of it, which is actually a very pleasant and um, relaxing experience. Um, I usually like to play some nice, soft, gentle music that the person likes to be able to get their mind to release and to get away from, try to get a person's mind off of what do I have to do after a disappointment? Do I, you know, boy, you know, I'm really upset about this or that, to really try to get a person's mind to relax. Because when a person can relax their mind and go with what is happening at, at that moment and letting themselves experience the pain, the emotion, um, or the relaxation of the treatment, then that's where we can really get down to um, making great changes in the body. So um, it's a, I'll have the person, I can treat the person typically laying down, but I do frequently do treatments with a person sitting and sometimes even standing because the effects of how the fascia is working on the body is, of course, affected by gravity and how much your other muscles are activating. Um, so I'll have a person sometimes lying on their back or on their side or on their belly um, and doing gentle stretches throughout from head to toe. Um, always being, you know, very aware of making sure that a person's comfortable with everything that's being done. Um, it's not uncommon for somebody to have a little bit of an emotional release during a treatment during this, and that's another reason I like to have a person's mind off of their day-to-day -day routine or their concerns for that moment or whatever, and just kind of be focusing more on what's going on so that they can go through and experience that. Our, our challenge in our society and is that frequently we don't take the time to let our bodies express itself. We get hurt. We, you know, if we, we slip and we fall and we hurt our bottom or we twist our ankle. We, we experience it for the moment, but then we stuff that pain down. We don't have time to deal with that pain. We've got to get up and get to get to work. We've got to go get the kids. We've got to go do this. We've got to do that. We have our huge grocery list of things that we do every day. And so we don't take the time to um, allow the body to 
release that trauma, and so we hold on to it, and so it gets held into the fascia. And so then when we go back and treat that, so we go back and treat that ankle that you hurt when you slipped and you fell, it can bring up some emotions that you had felt at that time when you fell. And you got to think about all the different little glimpses. If you are to take a high-speed camera of filming that fall that you had, you know, there's that very first moment when you start to slip, your body tenses up. There's a moment in time of emotional trauma. You're thinking, oh, my goodness, this is going to hurt when I land. And then you're going down a little bit further, and you go, oh, this is really going to hurt. And then you finally hit, and you have that impact. And that's another pain moment. And so you have all these little emotional pieces that go along with the physical trauma that go, that you're going to have. And if you allow yourself at the moment of that injury to, to take the time to do that, but then also later on in the day or that night to be able to deal with that instead of just shoving it down and saying, oh, I can't cry, I, that, you know, I don't have time to cry or get emotional about this. I, um, you, it adds to that fascial restriction in addition to that physical trauma. So, um, so trying the best to be able to relax. Try to, I try to create a nice relaxing environment with either music, the lighting, sometimes adding candles or incense if a person likes, and just being very gentle and fluid with my movement so that it's a very relaxing experience for for the person also. Um, and typically my sessions last somewhere between 45 minutes to an hour, sometimes a little bit longer. And the amount of treatments will really vary from person to person on what's happening. Um, if I'm working with a person who has Parkinson's and that's a you know a very um, intense um, process that a person's been living with that it's going to take a longer time to be able to really resolve some of these issues. And sometimes you know if a person's been with it long enough, whether whether it's Parkinson's or a scoliosis in a child, you know there's there's sometimes there's changes within the body that you're not going to be able to resolve them. The, the bones have changed their shape. The joints have changed their structure. The ligaments have changed their length. And so we go through and we make as much change as we can to help create more normalcy. But there's no there's no guarantee that we're going to be able to reverse the effects of what's happened. But there are many instances where somebody's been dealing with a, a, um, a disease process for a year or years that you can make some huge, huge changes on how a person's able to move and feel and... Um, be able to participate, get back into participating in their daily life. So um, I've seen very good results with Parkinson's and with helping reduce the amount of tremors, uh, definitely with improving the flexibility to be able to move, to decrease those number of falls, um, to be able to get back to getting dressed, to being able to get back to feeding yourself, um, being able to really open up the chest to be able to get back to be able to speak loud enough so that you can be heard by other people across the table from you. So lots and lots of wonderful effects with Parkinson's and many, many other um, disease processes that are, um, that are labeled out there. I've had, uh, of course, a number of traumas in my life. One of them was a bicycle accident when I was 12 years old. 
So I'm on your massage table and you're working with me and all of a sudden I, for some reason, am beginning to experience that particular bicycle accident, feeling the fear, the anxiety of, of what really happened to me back then. Are you saying then that as all of that is released, so to speak, both emotionally and physically, that the fascia that are restricted as a result of that accident many years ago actually shift physically. That is, there's a physical transformation in the fascias that are in my body which were restricted from that trauma? Very much so, or very possible. And um, it's important you get that wonderful release from that trauma from so long ago. And the, the work then begins to be able to maintain that release. So, um, you either, I really work hard with my clients after each session to create a, a program of gentle stretches and usually some light, can be some light exercises in addition to be able to maintain that release because it, just like anything else is if you've had it for long enough, so if it's an accident from when you were 12 years old, which was what, about 15 years ago for you? No, it was 16, 16 years ago. Okay. <laughs> Um, if you you've been that that restriction has pulled your body into different maybe a little bit different alignments here or there, and so you're going to have to work to be able to maintain that new release. So that so you're going to have some new range of motion in your shoulder, or a little bit of movement or extra movement in your hip and your back, and so you have some good pain relief from that, and you'll be able to move better. But you also have to do your work to be able to maintain that. And initially, it'll be a little bit more regular stretching, and then as your body gets used to that and accommodates that and becomes more more coordinated in using that new movement, then then that becomes just a natural part of your routine, and you don't have to necessarily do that stretching. But, yeah, so initially, you get that wonderful release, and that's a little bit of work. So um, this isn't that magic pill where we give you do some stretches on you and you're good forever and you don't ever have to do anything again. And I don't want to sound like a person that, one of those uh, snake oil people where you, I give you something and you take it for the rest of your life and you keep on coming back to visit me. I have, you know, you have clients that come and see me for a few treatments and I never see them again. I have clients that will come and see me for a while and then they'll take a while off because they're doing great and then they'll come back again and say, you know, I just went through my, you know, my my kid went through this horrible experience and I got all stressed out and I'm feeling the symptoms of this again and it's getting worse and so I'll treat them again for a few serious series of some visits. And then um, as as I have friends who are therapists who practice this and we treat each other regularly to be able to keep ourselves well balanced because I can't expect any of my clients to be able to go through any of this or to experience any of this without myself having resolved my own issues and to get myself into the best balance possible. And so um, so it can be an ongoing process. It can be as much as what you feel like you need. I talk with many, many people every week who have the symptoms of Parkinson's, and without fail, what always comes up is a trauma that happened for the person sometime in the past. For many people, uh, they'll tell me about a trauma that might have happened when they were four years old or 10 years old or maybe as a young adult, and yet now they're 55 or 60 years old. 
And the reality is many people have the belief that because the trauma happened so long ago, because they presumably healed from that, that it's over. What you're saying, I think, then, is it's not true that if a trauma occurred and the person didn't have an opportunity to release what happened at the time, chances are they're still carrying that trauma in the fascia restrictions of their body. Is Do I understand that correctly? Yeah, completely. I um, it really varies from person to person, but yeah, there's there's nothing saying that if you didn't deal with that issue, with that trauma, at one point you could very well be carrying it all the way till you go to the grave. So um, unless you find some way to work with that, and um, myofascial release is one wonderful way to be able to work with that, and it can be a very big piece of that puzzle of being able to do, deal with it with addition to doing some energy work or whatever else you believe in using an acupuncture or chiropractic or anything along those lines. So when we talk about trauma, trauma can take many different forms, as you've explained, obviously physical traumas, but also emotional. So if a person, for example, lost a mother or a father, to an accident, let's say, when they were very, very young. Would this be considered a trauma that might create fascia restrictions in their body? Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about that. Um, that I've had experiences myself as clients, but I've also had um, my cohorts and also my mentors that have told me about um, different things that happened during sessions of people expressing what they felt, the emotions that they felt with that trauma, what it related to. Um, one of my favorite stories is my mentor, um, John Barnes, who is the originator of this approach that I use, talks about his one of his first experiences is the lady said it was she felt the trauma of when she was born. And it really sounded bizarre, but the, the everything she related to um, John was, um, she found out later when she talked to her mother, was very detailed about how the umbilical cord had gotten wrapped around her neck and um, was a very um, scary moment during the birth that she had never, that her mother had never told her. So it wasn't something that she was reliving from um, any story her mother had told and um, was very telltale because John would, would tell us as this um, event, um, as the treatment session evolved, was how she got a very, very bright um red around her neck and she had very much of a gagging sensation during that process and there's really much more to the story that I that I don't have time to go into but there is there's a lot of just physical evidence of that trauma that she experienced from birth that um, she was able to release during the session and obviously something along those lines took more than just one session to completely resolve that but there's um yeah, it can go back to birth. It can go back to any point in life. Um, I've had experiences where people have been in car accidents and I'll be treating them um, six months to a year later, and during that they'll have a little bit of emotion or just no emotion at all, but then they'll say, wow, I could really smell the um, the airbag, you know, those, that, those chemicals from the airbag. Or I can really smell um, one person was in an accident which involved... Um, a garbage truck, and they could just all they could smell was garbage, and they 
were asking, did you know, did somebody just take out the garbage or something, and it, was, it hadn't been moved, and obviously we didn't, you know, the garbage that I have in the clinic doesn't have any food waste in it, so there wasn't anything to to smell rotten if you know, the garbage had been moved. So um, there's a lot of things that can come up during this process, and it can come from any point of your life. When you're actually helping people with these releases, are you using anything other than your hands? That is, a chiropractor sometimes has these little pieces of equipment that they click when they actually do manipulations, uh, or, the, or the acupuncturist have heat kind of things that they apply to the skin. Do you have those kinds of assistive devices that you use when you work on people, or are you just basically uh, using your, your hands and gentle uh, movements of arms or legs or the body? Um, primarily the gentle use of the, my hands and moving the, the body, but also there's um, my tools are very simple. Um, sometimes I'll use um, small, um, like three-inch round um, rubber balls that I have people lay on, or I'll use, um, sometimes I'll roll up a towel, or we have what we call the, um, the Nolo Rolos that we have people lay on to be able to add into the stretch. So if you can think of like the easiest example is like a pool noodle. Um, everybody knows that those little noodles that kids play with in the pool. Sometimes they'll have some of those cut up even and have a person lay along with that, lay that on the bed and then lay lay it on the so it's on their spine to help with stretching out the chest area. So um, very very simple tools. I really for the most part don't um, don't use any of the metal tools or anything like that. So the uh, bad part of the story is that traumas create these incredible fascia restrictions in our body that uh, we pay for later in life. But the good news is that there's something we can do about it through the therapies that you've just explained. Do I understand that correctly? Correct. Yeah. Um, there's, like I said, there, you have a, a forest of injuries, and it's, so it's just a matter of um, working on, you know, slowly taking down, taking care of the, each of those issues. And um, the more you take care of, the better you can feel and the better you can move. And I find that people really can really start enjoying their life that much more. So people are feeling better physically. That is, they're more mobile, they're more agile, they're less likely to fall. But the other thing I think you're saying is they actually feel a lot better and have more energy. Absolutely. I mean, it's when you can move without pain, when you've dealt with some of those emotional issues that, you know, sometimes people are, you know, they spend a lot of time in with um, counseling and that talking issues over and over and over, and they can't figure out why they can't get over it. And it, it could potentially be related to it's something that's stuck into your fashion. It's that fashion needs to be released. And so you can come out feeling wonderful. And so I don't do... Any psychological work, I can help a person, you know, work through those emotions when they're feeling them on the table, but I'm not doing any kind of psychological work. But it's just amazing how much lighter a person can feel after a session or even a few days after a session. Um, but I also have to warn a person also that sometimes there's that therapeutic pain that occurs, and so you may be sore the next day. You have to be willing to go through the pain because that healing process isn't always pretty. And so um, I, I warn my clients that on a rare occasion that they may feel more pain the next day or the next couple of days and just know that they just need to stick with that pain and feel that pain and see if they can um, identify where that's coming from. And if they can't, don't worry about it. But um, come back and we'll do another session and hopefully you feel euphoric the next time.
Surgeries, I guess, are also a form of trauma. When somebody uh, is cut into by a surgeon, does that also interfere with the structure of the fascia? Well, absolutely, because, you know, they're having to cut through the fascia during a surgery. And so every every little nick, every little cut is, um, is uh, you know, breaking through that fascia. Even uh, arthroscopic surgery where they're running that um, long, skinny scope through the body, that's a very common thing nowadays is that everywhere that path of that arthroscope goes is that causing damage to the fascia. So it's a very important to to um be able to address that. And I've had people who've had the um that kind of surgery done for abdominal things where I'll start working near the surgical site after they've been, you know, they're a good long ways out from the surgery and they've they've healed up and we don't have to worry about any kind of um complications with the the surgical site opening them back up again. And they will feel something in a totally different region of their abdomen. And ultimately, that's one of the places where the arthroscope went because they know that, you know, maybe they started near the belly button, but they were going up to the kidneys or this area or that area. And you can really follow the path of that scope to that area. And so we work on releasing those those fascial restrictions along the way of that surgery. And sometimes it's a much more of a, a you know a much more traumatic surgery of, of you know having your stomach opened up or um, you know having to have pins put in your leg from having broken your leg. Um, so these these things can go very very deep, and so it, those sessions can be a little bit more painful at times, and have a tendency to be a bit more painful for the treatment process. We'll be right back with David Howell after this short station. This is Parkinson's Recovery, and I am Robert Rogers. On a recent radio program, my featured guest was Dr. Mark Babacheyev, who is a biophysicist and a medical researcher. The intent of my interview with Dr. Babacheyev was to get him to tell us more about a product that he formulated called Can See Eye Drops. I thought I would go to the source and find out from him everything there is to know about why these eye drops are successful in dissolving cataracts and addressing other problems that are associated with the symptoms of Parkinson's. Now, if you listen to that interview, which, of course, is available on the radio program page for download and listening, what you're going to discover is I couldn't get the first question out of my mouth before Dr. Babacheyev wanted to tell me all about something else, not about the can eye drops, but about a supplement that has been prescribed as supporting the can eye drops. It's called Can-C+. So if you listen to that program, but basically what he tells us is they recently discovered that the Can-C Plus is actually an anti-aging supplement, and it increases the length of telomeres, which are a signal sign of aging. So Dr. Babacheyev was incredibly excited. Apparently, they have only made this supplement available to people who had advanced cataracts because it actually uh, helps to facilitate the positive healing antioxidant influence of the CAN-C eye drops. And now, as it turns out, the CAN-C Plus supplement, these are actually pills you take, as you might take any particular supplement, has many other far-ranging implications. One of the questions I asked Dr. Babacheyev is, so if I start taking this, does it mean I'm going to live longer? And he said, well, yeah, absolutely. And I thought, I want this supplement. Now, what I want everybody to know is, 
first of all, that's exciting news in itself. Second, it may have profound implications for the symptoms of Parkinson's. Third, many of you have been sending me emails, and the emails say, where can I get the CAN-C+. And as it turns out, I've really aggressively investigated that, and the supplies at this point in time are exhausted. They're actually doing another manufacturing run this week. I've, I've got an order in, and hopefully I'll get a supply in next week. And for those of you who've already ordered the CAN-C+, I'll be able to mail those out to you uh, soon. The cost on this is incredibly low. The company has uh, decided that this is such an important product that uh, they're making at, at uh, basement bargain uh, prices. The other thing that's happened is a lot of people uh, are telling me is that the list of antioxidant substances in this particular supplement are basically the list of what they're taking in separate supplements <clears throat> so that if you add up the cost that they're paying for these separate uh, supplements, it's like uh, quadruple or even more of what the actual cost of uh, purchasing the CAN-C+. The other optimism I've got about the CAN-C+, supplement, uh, which I have not gotten my hands on yet and that I have not taken personally, is that it has uh, a glutathione substance in it that is actually effective, that it actually works. And so my guess is that this may really help a great deal of people. I can't wait to start using it myself, but I don't have it yet. So my announcement to everybody is if you've actually put in an order for this, you if you go to the cataracts.parkinsonsrecovery.com page, that's where uh, there's a description of the Can-C eye drops, you'll see there's just one little place for a place to order the Can-C Plus supplement. That's all there is. That's all I've got out there. But what I didn't realize is I wasn't going to be able to get an order in uh, when I first placed the order uh, three weeks ago. So I'm still waiting, but with a little luck, uh, that manufacturing process will be complete this week. They'll be sending out the product, and I'll have it available to those of you who've ordered it for shipment sometime next week. If you have any questions about the status of that, of course, you can always email me, robert at parkinsonsrecovery.com, or the uh, toll-free long-distance number is always an access point. That's 877-526-4646. And now back to David Howell. As a coordinator of the rehabilitation services at the Puget Sound Healthcare Center here in Olympia, you're very familiar with how the healthcare system works. Let's say an individual with Parkinson's has a fall and they have to go to the hospital. There's a bit of surgery, there had to be some casting done, and there's a pretty serious physical impairment involved. What happens to this person next in today's healthcare environment? It can be quite a um, complicated and scary process, but I'll try to make it as um, sound as pleasant as possible for everyone here. Um, so yeah, you, you fall, you have an injury, you're in the hospital, and you're now medically stable and you're ready to begin some therapy. Um, what will happen is usually one of three things. First thing is, is you're doing well enough and you can go home. And then you can, once you go home, you can get some outpatient therapy or you can get some, a therapist coming into your home called home health therapy. Um, the other two options are going to one of two types of rehab. The first option is the inpatient rehab, where you stay in and do rehab at the hospital. Um, to qualify for this, you have to have the ability to tolerate extensive amount hours of therapy. Um, and 
frequently those those units are smaller and they're very selective about the people that they they bring in. Um, and then the other option is to go to either a transitional care unit, a TCU, or a SNF, a skilled nursing facility. Now, the challenge with today's healthcare environment is that most of the TCUs have um, been dissolved in most hospitals. They were kind of like the, the subacute rehab in the hospital. And so what has happened is, is that the skilled nursing facilities or your nursing homes have created rehab units on them. And that's the situation where I am working here at a skilled nursing facility at Puget Sound Healthcare is that we provide subacute rehab. And to call it subacute sometimes I feel is a bit of a mis misnomer. Um, we frequently will see patients for three hours of therapy a day, which is considered intensive rehab. And you're seeing them for five to six days a week of therapy. And so um, it can be very intensive. So um, it's important to remember that when, as you're going through this process is to not approach it with fear, but approach it with hope that this is, process is to help you get back to home. Um, ultimately, as therapists, we are constantly working to get our patients home as soon as possible. Um, as soon as they safely can go home and everything is arranged at home for a person to go home safely and functionally, that is our ultimate goal. Um, I sometimes hear, or freak, I shouldn't even say sometimes, I almost frequently hear fear of people going, of going into the hospital and then even more fear of going into the skilled nursing facility because they're afraid they're going to get stuck in the nursing home for the rest of their life. And that is frequently a, an unfounded fear because we work tirelessly to be able to help our patients get back to being to living at home. There is so much more to be said about the the sound mind of being at home versus being in an institution. And that sound mind is extremely important for the recovery process because we as I explained earlier if you're if you're in fear and in that um fight or flight um, stage, you can be adding to that whole trauma of that fascial restriction that you're experiencing from that original injury. And so we, even if a person isn't of, you know, the, the frame of reference of myself coming from myofascial release, all the therapists that I've worked with have always been of the focus of trying to get the patient, if it's at all possible, to get the patient home soon as possible. Um, and a person can face some some challenges with getting home, not getting home as soon as they want. But usually, there's 99% of instances I see that there's a reason why a person's not going home as soon as they want because you're not moving as smoothly as you need to because you're at a higher risk of falling. Um, you know, a large per percentage of our um, population who have Parkinson's are older. I know that there's a, a very large population of people who have young Parkinson's. But even still, the, 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 the side effects or the comorbidities involved with um, a fall and an injury are very severe for a person, especially as we get older, of having um, the development of pneumonia and other complicating factors that can lead to a much more prolonged disability, a worse disability, or even as bad as death. So... Um, Ultimately, there's always that balance of getting a home, person home as soon as possible, but also making sure a person is 
as safe as possible so that there won't be a return back to the hospital or back to the skilled nursing facility or back to the inpatient facility and um, just maximizing the person's quality of life. That's what ultimately what we're working towards is the best quality of life for a person. If a person wants to get an individual private uh, myofascial treatment from you, how do they get in touch with you? Um, I work for Puget Sound Healthcare. Um, we are a skilled nursing facility. We do the inpatient rehab, like I mentioned, and we also do outpatient rehab. So um, they can always contact my facility. The, um, the, to contact me directly to arrange a visit would be um, 360-754-9792, and I'm at extension 251, or you can ask for me, David Howell. Um, we take most all insurances. Um, there's a very small few insurances that we don't take. And um, we, we're usually very good about getting a person in quickly. Um, our, our, our wait time for getting in for appointment is usually less than just a few days to be able to get a person in. Sometimes it can be up to a week, just depending on how our um, caseload is fluctuating. Um, we're very, very well staffed here, and um, we work hard to be able to do that. We will need a, um, a prescription from a doctor to do the therapy, and if you want to come see me, you need to ask for a prescription for occupational therapy to evaluate and treat from your physician, and as long as you have that, and your insurance cards, and um, give me a call, and we'll make sure that we have um, authorization from your insurance so we can go ahead and just start doing some outpatient therapy with you. Um, know that you know there's a lot of therapists out there that are practicing myofascial release, so if you get yourself in a situation where you're in a hospital, you can ask for, you know, if, you have, if they have anybody on staff that's trained in myofascial release. Um, and there's a, um, the website is... Um, myofascialrelease.com, and I'll spell that for you, M-Y-O-F-A-S-C-I-A-L, and then release R-E-A, or excuse me, R-E-L-E-A-S-E.com. And um, it's often abbreviated M-F-R. M is in myo, F is in fascial, and R is in release. Um, so if you do an internet search, you can look up MFR or you can type in myofascialrelease.com. And the type of myofascial release that I recommend is, of course, by John Barnes. He's a physical therapist. Um, his last name is B-A-R-N-E-S. And if, so if you look up John Barnes and myofascial release or John Barnes MFR, you can go directly to his site. And the nice thing about his site is he is much more eloquent than I am here to be able to explain this some more. He has lots of wonderful articles about myofascial release. And um, there's also a, a link on that site to be able to locate a myofascial release therapist in your area. So if you're listening to this in England or Russia or um, Louisiana, you can find a therapist that's usually not too far away from yourself and um, go about that route. For the people who are listening to this from England or Russia or Louisiana, uh, from what you've talked about how the therapy works, it sounds like there's not going to be an opportunity for them to call you on the phone and get a consultation over the phone. Is that correct? That is, it has to be done in person? Yeah, my work is body work, so I work directly with, in contact with a person's body. So, yeah, I would need to see you. Um, but... I think just about anywhere in the world you can probably find yourself a myofascial release therapist. 
There may be some individuals who listen to this who are thinking, I'd love to get a treatment from David Howell and uh, people who are coming on the Parkinson's Recovery Cruise to Alaska. Are you going to be available for people who might want to make an appointment uh, with you before they go on the cruise in the early part of May? Absolutely. Just give me a call, and I will do my best to um, make sure I have plenty of open times available um, before the cruise and after the cruise if you want to schedule appointments for either or both. And um, then I can always help you in the process of locating a therapist in your area if you're not directly in this area. So, But I look forward to, to seeing some people come across, across my desk. Olympia, Washington is about an hour drive from the Seattle airport. Uh, so you'd have to uh, travel a bit, but you'd be able to get down to see uh, David without a whole lot of effort. So, David, if you would, please, one more time, could you please tell people how they can get in touch with you by email and phone? Okay, so my phone number is 360-754-9792, extension 251. So 360-754-9792, extension 251. Or you can email me at... D Howell two, so that's D is in David H O W E L L, and then the number two at extendacare dot com, and let me spell that one out for you because it's not quite what you expect. It's E X T E N D I C A R E dot com. So D Howell two at extendacare dot com, or you can even use my private email as um. Howell, H-O-W-E-L-L-O-T-R, at gmail.com. That might be a little bit easier for people to um, write out. And so feel free to give me a, a call at, the, at that. And um, I also have a small private practice that I do. So if you're interested in having me um, travel up to see you somewhere, I can do that for you. Um, a little bit of an additional cost, but um, and I don't take insurance for that. So just know that I am available through multiple resources to you. David Howell, thank you so much for being with us today and explaining how we can all release the fascia that have restricted our lives. You're welcome, and I, I greatly appreciate this opportunity to tell everyone about this and go out and find out some more information about this. I really highly recommend this approach to everyone. This is Parkinson's Recovery, and I, of course, am Robert Rogers. I know that there were a number of you who were thinking very seriously about joining us on the Parkinson's Recovery Cruise to Alaska and have probably by now heard the bad news. The cruise is full. It actually filled up relatively quickly. I had thought by about this point in time there would still be some places available, but uh, it's been full now for over a month. So my apologies to all of those of you who dilly-dallied a bit and couldn't quite decide whether or not you wanted to come or not because there's now no longer any opportunity. However, uh, I am actually this afternoon uh, uh, meeting with uh, representatives of a company who know everything there is to know about how you can take videos of conferences and presentations. And so with a little luck, I'll be able to uh, have a video camera available on the cruise. We'll take some videos, and we'll put uh, some of what we do up on the Parkinson's Recovery website so that you'll be able to get at least some exposure to the new material that we'll be presenting.
what you're going to uh, be seeing if you come on the Parkinson's Recovery Cruise to Alaska is new information that's just come out over the last six months about detoxing, about releasing trauma, about sound therapy, about vibroacoustic therapy, and many other topics that are truly amazing and exciting. So uh, I'm I'm really excited about uh, doing the work uh, on the Parkinson's Recovery Cruise to Alaska and uh, having the experiences that we'll be having together as a group of people who are indeed on the road to recovery. You can always get in contact with me by calling our toll-free number, and that's 1-877-526-4646, or emailing me at robert at Parkinson's Recovery, that's all one word, dot com. If you go to our main website, that's parkinsonsrecovery.com, you'll see there's also a little place where you can enter an email address and sign up for our free uh, email newsletter, uh, which I write and put out so you'll get all the recent scoop about what we're discovering is making a huge difference to people in getting relief from the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. There is also a, a series of links from that main website to many other services, informational resources that that uh, you'll find will be helpful if you are in search of getting ideas of what you can do to get sustained relief from the symptoms of Parkinson's. It's been a true pleasure, and that's what's happening here at Parkinson's Recovery on the shores of the Puget Sound, where all the women are smart, all the men are handsome, and all the children are truly loved. Know that you are on the road to recovery. Good day.